0: episode 161 of the Alisa Unfiltered podcast. My name is Alisa and today it is Wednesday, July the 5th. We're in July, baby. Happy summer break to all the students and of course parents with students. This week I'm actually away at a cottage with my family. <laughs> we are just crushing summer. But it's also shocking how quickly it's going by, right? Like what is happening? Man, soak it up. I am soaking up summer. Anywho, we've got a fire episode. Speaking of hot summer, (laughs) I think everyone listening will pull something from because we're talking about relationships. Today on the podcast is relationship coach Roberto Pez, who is dedicated to helping high-performing women learn to love and trust after heartbreak. What I love about him though, and his message, is that he's been through a massive heartbreak himself and a massive answer. awakening. He <laughs> has crawled to to through I the mud and do. has transformed his wow. life um, through taking responsibility really for his healing and growth journey on the, on the other side of heartbreak and, and divorce I have I have an a of and abatement and self really abandonment It's really, not easy. I really want to start high but level of course, because I'm you're a high... About you people's work with high-achieving women who have gone through it themselves and have breakups to express it and to love and to learn to and trust to themselves to their own growth, the world right because etc etc et my first question is how like do we do this it's a and go <laughs>
1: <laughs> loaded <laughs> question where do we start um, where yeah. does
0: a woman who's been um, heartbroken yeah. like what is their biggest piece of advice for women who are heartbroken right in this so, moment see, or preparing to start? be heartbroken because they know five they're about to enter into that journey of of detachment of breaking up where do where give us, give us the goods.
1: Yeah. 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 That's a really, really elegant question. Um, and a definitely a really loaded question because Mm -hmm. everyone is different. Everyone is context dependent. Um, but typically the best place to start is to, so we have this thing called the fire starter model. Yes. It's four steps and it can be summed up in the acronym cute C U T E Right. Love it. Um, and the first step in the firestarter model is confront the past. And really, what this is about, it's about confronting your perception of your past pain, so that you can heal your perception of your past pain. Because one of the biggest problems that the people we work with have is that they're they're going through life and relationships with these like past pain goggles and they're projecting their past pain onto their current partner or potential partner and that's what makes it really difficult for them to love and trust again
0: right Mm. because all they
1: see is threat all they see is the potential of pain and so step one is you need to actually be willing to really confront the past pain that you've been through and you need to be willing to actually let it go Uh, which is one of the most challenging parts for most people right is like letting that shit go because holding on to it is it's like this armor that's protecting them from getting hurt but it's also the thing that's actually protecting them from the love and intimacy that they crave so if there's a place to start it's there
0: so do you see past pain as like a saboteur it's like sabotaging your relationship even before you're getting into one
1: Totally. Yeah. So here's the thing, though. It's not the past pain that's the saboteur. It's our perception of the past pain, right? Because your past pain can either, uh, you can derive meaning from it that's disempowering, which is the very perception that's going to hold you back from wanting to love again or wanting to trust someone again but the moment that you confront the past and choose to heal your perception of it so that the meaning that the pain has is something empowering something positive something that adds value to you it makes it easier to open up again
0: right so how does one go about doing this because i like, is past pain like a thought? Is it an experience? Is it a Mm. vibration? Is it like a frequency in our body? Like, what does it look like? And how do we even start confronting it? Like Do we have to keep telling the story of Mm. the past to get through it? Like, how how can we start with this?
1: That's a really good question. Yeah. So again, everything's context dependent. And in our experience, it's really a feeling, Mm -hmm. right? It's a feeling in our body. And, um, what often happens is our past pain when we don't know how to heal our perception of it it's it's like whenever we get close to experiencing another level of intimacy with another person then it literally gets experienced as trauma oh yeah right we literally get into like this trauma response and then we close up and so the practice the practice is to, in a safe container, in a safe environment, one of the best tools we have to do this is in our Firestarter program, we call it the QCP, which stands for the Quantum Change Process. It's a two to three hour one-on-one session. And it's literally the epitome of confronting the past so you can heal. And it's really designed to help our clients look at every single relationship in their life head on that they feel they've been wronged in, or even the relationships that they've like hurt others in. Um, and it's, it's about confronting it in a way where you don't run from it, where mm-hmm. you actually practice looking at what you've experienced, feeling the feelings fully, but with an open heart, rather than from a place of, I'm going to suppress this emotion. I'm going to pretend that it's not there and I'm going to avoid it. It's about, if yeah. I were to give some something, someone like tangible that they can work at, um, it's about feeling the feelings fully without avoiding them but in a way where you inject love and an open heart into it
0: yeah it's like a compassion with from a lens of compassion
1: a yes. little bit yeah and and honestly i would i would even say that it's about injecting forgiveness and love into it if there's anything to cure anything emotional it's love and forgiveness every time
0: and forgiveness okay i before i get into that i want to go into the word avoiding because i think like as people are like listening to this like yeah I confront my past pain got it yeah no problem and then when they like get the moment things get a little bit uncomfortable i i see this so often in like personal relationships in friendships in clients that i work with it's just like oh i'm not like that oh i'm fine I feel my feelings all the time. It's like this wall, this denial mm. of reality, because mm. to save face and they, and then it's like avoid doing the work, pretend like you've done it already and that you're fine. Do you, do you see this in your practice?
1: Absolutely. And that's why us as leaders and coaches, we need to have really good bullshit detectors.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. It's
1: right? True. Right? It's really good. And there's like a texture to it. There's a feeling to it, you know? Mm. And, uh, it's also equally important that in the like coaching space that we have enough rapport with our clients to be able to call them forward. Cause if we don't have rapport with them, the moment we call them forward on the bullshit that we're sniffing, um, it's going to just cause them to close up and they're going to be like, fuck you. No, I'm not. That's not true. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that does happen all the time. And, um, a really good question that, um, that I encourage people to ask themselves is if, if you feel like you aren't avoiding any emotion and that you're the person that feels your feelings fully, a really brave question to ask is where am I avoiding?
0: Mm.
1: And to really ponder on that and like not avoid the answers that may inevitably come up.
0: I like that where I, it's true. Like, where is a more tangible answer to, because the why I, I, I oftentimes don't, People are like, why? Why me? Why does this always happen? The why and why is not the question. That's right. Because that's just going to be this made-up lie. The where is like a is a spot. It's like somewhere you can start.
1: (laughs) Mm, Totally, totally. I actually find the the why a question. The why question sometimes irrelevant. Right. Right. Like I have had many clients where they're like, they're like, I just want to understand why I self-sabotage all the time. I want to understand why I abandon myself, why I people please. And I'm like, yo, honestly, does it fucking matter? Like, you know that you're doing (laughs) it. So if you know that you're doing it, don't get so hung up on the why and allow your lack of understanding on the why to hold you back from actually correcting the how. Because in my experience, when I don't know the why, but I understand the how, if I attack the how or bring compassion into the how and create a change, the why eventually reveals itself. And even if it doesn't reveal itself, I still create a change. I create the change that I want and the real why is that I want a change in the first place. Right?
0: Yes. I get that. I feel that. It's so funny. It's like why doesn't he love me? Why do I keep falling for losers? Those like it's it, it's like it's the where where the the what even the how is 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 more important i love that a lot so all the heartbroken people i mean i think a lot of people in the elisa unfiltered community have been heartbroken in the past or going through it now i work with a lot of divorced women Mm. um and and cancel culture to be honest because Heartbreak doesn't necessarily have to be romantic relationships. It can be friendships and communities. And we have lost so many people are suffering in silence right now because they can't even, I mean, they're feeling heartbroken because they've lost their best friends and their community. Can you speak to that a little bit?
1: Yeah. Well, it's just really important to do everything we can to actually grieve. Mm right? Because if we don't give ourselves permission to grieve, we're just suppressing our emotions. And suppressed emotions will be expressed in unconscious ways. And when they are expressed in unconscious ways, they often leak out in ways that are hurtful and sometimes abusive to ourselves or to those around us. And so if we want to live a life that we can be proud of, which is like, let's be honest, that's the whole reason why we're all here. That's why people are listening to your podcast, right? Is because they want to get inspired, motivated and learn tools on how to live a life that is in alignment with the vision they have for themselves. And I believe one of the only ways to do that truly is to give ourselves full permission to feel everything that comes up for us to completion.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and Because if we don't, it will dictate our behavior in ways that are hurtful, and so for the person who's experiencing heartbreak, I get it, and so many of us have experienced it. I've been there, Lisa. You've been there, and mm-hmm. the best thing you can do is give yourself the time and the space to grieve. Um,
0: so, what does that look you. like? What does it look like? Does it look like bawling your eyes out? And it does. It look like the ice cream on the floor moment. Does it look mm-hmm. like journaling? Like, what does it mean? Like, how do you feel your feelings? to completion
1: Uh, that's a good question uh well i think what it looks like is is all of those things okay you know it looks like all of that what you just described and more uh for me so there's a process again we teach in firestarter where uh, whenever we feel any emotion, I actually don't have a name for this. I need to give this a name, uh, but I'll share. I'll share it with. I'll share it with with your audience. Yeah, great. Uh, when whenever I feel any dense emotion, and that's what we call them. We call them dense or heavy emotions, not yes. negative emotions, right? Because they're just heavy, right? Yeah, they're they're heavy. just heavy,
0: yeah. right?
1: It. And so uh, what we do, and what we teach our clients, is that when you feel a dense emotion, to number one, take a second to locate where it is in your body. Mm. right so pay attention to where you find it right is it in your chest is it in your belly where is it once you locate it start describing with words what that part of your body is doing is it aching is it twisting does it feel like a knot does it feel like a ball like just start describing whatever it feels like to you and then the next step is to actually allow your body and your voice to take the shape of the emotion. How does the emotion want to move through you, right? So I literally did a video of this and actually posted it a few weeks ago. And and when I say, let your body take the shape, I mean like let yourself get lost in it. The big mistake that I find people make with this practice is they're like really stiff and they'll do things like, ah, Ah, uh, and I'm like, yo, <laughs> like loosen up, like let let your body, like yeah. let it move, right? And when I say let it out with sound, I don't mean words, mm-hmm. I mean sound, because what happens is, and they they actually done studies on this that dense emotions stay in our bodies for up to ninety seconds. So when people are trapped in dense emotions. It's, it's because they keep recycling the same emotion over and over again through the stories in their head, through the stories yeah. they're saying to other people with their words. And then once you've gone through this process long enough, and we've literally seen clients do this where even up to 60 seconds, within 30 seconds, they've released the emotion and then it's it's gone, right? And then you check in, is it still there? And if it is still there, just go through the whole process uh, again. And again, until it's fully released. Now the caveat here, is that if it's still not released after doing this three, five, six, 10 times, then usually what that means is that there's something that you need to do that you haven't done that you've probably been avoiding.
0: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Right? That right? It, could be a,
1: it could be a boundary. It could be a conversation. It could be a commitment, a discipline that you know you need to make that you haven't been doing. And the anxiety, the density is still there because really it's trying to signal to you that something is misaligned which is really important to look at.
0: So what is the biggest resistance that you see to this type of thing? And what I mean by that is the moment that a person is confronted with adversity or confronted with dense emotions, they they loop into like a subconscious pattern. Really? So they, they start to cope with how they've been trained to cope or witness right. coping. So- Is like, are there obvious coping mechanisms that people are using that are not healthy or not helping that remove them from allowing themselves to like release?
1: Yeah, totally. Well, I think, I think it comes down to the fight, flight, freeze, or fawn response, right? Mm -hmm. It's really comes down to one of those four. So it all depends on like, what is your particular flavor of coping, right? That you've been used to. And if you know what your particular flavor of coping is, the beauty of that level of self-awareness is when you start to know yourself, do those things, that's an immediate red flag that you are avoiding something,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. right? Like for me, it's definitely fawning. People-pleasing shows up. Um, And when I start to notice people-pleasing show up and I become aware that, oh my God, like I'm doing this thing again, that's my opportunity to slow the fuck down. Okay. Um, To really slow down because, because these patterns are so deeply rooted. They happen so quickly. They happen so unconsciously.
0: It's like automatic. It's just automatic. Yeah,
1: that's right. And so when we take the time to like slow down and look and honestly, oh my God, bring curiosity to this instead of judgment, which is what so many people do, right? They catch themselves in these patterns and they're like, fuck, I did it again. I should be over this already. Come on. I know better. It's like, yo, chill the fuck out. Like it's all good. It's all good. Like it, there was a moment where you just kind of lost consciousness and you fell into an unconscious pattern and beating yourself up is not really going to help. And if we could bring curiosity, right? And like just slow down and um I think that's where we create an opportunity to choose.
0: Oh. Absolutely. I like that a lot. That's like the intuitive awareness way in in observing your mind, observing where you're at, and putting some space between your thoughts and the moment. And in that space is always a choice. I can keep doing it the way I always do it. I know the outcome or I can step in this direction and absolutely. And and begin anew. So you talk a lot about boundaries and about lack of boundaries. (laughs) And what for for women who are on the other side of heartbreak and looking to maybe go inward and learn about themselves, like how how can give us a tip or two or three on how we can start to observe our boundaries and perhaps create some healthier, more in aligned boundaries with the direction we want to go. Mm.
1: If someone wants to start creating boundaries. Step one is I think you need to understand where you are currently lacking boundaries and where are you needing boundaries. And I even like the word, like to use the word aching, like where are you aching for boundaries, Mm -hmm. right? And what are boundaries? Boundaries are what we need to feel safe to fully express ourselves in the context of relationships, right? If I know, if I trust you to respect my boundaries, I feel safe. You know, I can, I feel like I can be myself, but if I don't trust you to respect my boundaries, I'm gonna feel constricted. The example I give is like, if let's say, (laughs) I feel like you're gonna appreciate this. Um, uh, If let's say I'm in a field, uh, I'm in a field and uh, I want to play in the field and I want to play with my son, but a bunch of animals took a shit in the perimeter of the field. It's going to make it difficult for me to like relax and like let loose in this field because I don't know where the separation is. Right. <laughs> sure. But the moment there's a fence. Right. That gets put up. It's like, oh, cool. I can roll around the grass and I don't need to worry about being covered in shit because yeah. I'm good. right yeah and that to me is what is what a boundary does is it creates healthy separation between you and like perceived danger the danger that is um uh past your line of comfort or maybe not even comfort but past your line of willingness to experience and deal with and so Step one, yeah, to anyone who wants to start setting boundaries is where are you lacking boundaries? What relationships are in your life that you know you need boundaries, but you're terrified to set them? Or maybe you have tried setting them and it just hasn't landed and it hasn't worked, right? Um, Yeah,
0: because it seems like people, like I think there's a misconception about what a boundary is and how to set it. Like I I feel like people think it needs to be the, like they need to start hard and they need to be like militant and like yeah. angry <laughs> or something. And I and and maybe that's because with the lack of boundaries comes like these emotional outbursts where you're like, stop doing that. Like where like the first time they've ever spoken their mind is in conflict.
1: Yeah. 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 I couldn't agree more. There was there was a really good video. I heard a few months ago that talked about um there are two levels to setting boundaries the first level is when you're new and it's like like i am the type of person who sets boundaries and i need to set boundaries and i'm going to come with a framework and like i'm someone who sets boundaries and this it's kind of like what you described right it's like it's like the person who's new at it versus once you you know let's say graduate or evolve to the second level um instead of it being you define yourself as being a boundary person you just become someone who puts your energy towards things that you enjoy. And when they when they stop being things that you enjoy, you try to influence them to become things that you enjoy. And if you cannot influence them to become something you enjoy, you just stop putting energy towards that thing or person or relationship and you start focusing on things that you enjoy again, right?
0: So I have a question for you on that subject because... In the codependency space, hmm. I feel as though women, more so than men, I could be wrong, but I I I work with mostly women. They believe that they enjoy, like there's so much internalized misogyny that a man's feelings become more important than anything. Their yeah. safety, their yeah. their wellness. And so, and because that's indoctrinated in women, especially those born before the 2000s, because I hope that yeah. things are starting to change, but totally. anyone right now that's in their thirties or older has that sort of program that's running totally. that they, you, you, you need to please. And, and with the codependency, they feel as though they want to please like that, even though it's killing them, they, they're they think that that's the purpose of life.
1: Mm, totally.
0: Can you speak to that? <laughs>
1: like, yeah, sure.
0: How do we start creating boundaries when we can't even connect with the idea that, oh my gosh, I can be an independent person. I don't, wow. their feelings, yeah.
1: Yeah, so um, I just did, I did a live yesterday uh, on this topic that I call the relationship triad. Okay. And I talk about it, how in every relationship, there's three entities. There's you. There's the other person, let's say your partner, and then there is the entity that is the relationship itself, right? And in terms of um, priority, or if there's like a hierarchy on whose needs to prioritize, it's you, them, then the relationship. And it's really intentional because if let's say, for instance, I didn't prioritize my needs and I sacrificed my health, and that's really what I'm talking about, about my needs. I'm talking about my mental health, emotional health, physical and spiritual health, right? If I don't prioritize those things and I support Amanda in prioritizing those things for her, then I'm just going to end up depleted. I'm going to end up depressed and I'm going to end up resentful, right? And that's that's codependency. That's what you're talking about. And that's what a lot of- That's like
0: 90% of couples.
1: That's right. Absolutely it is. Right. But then let's say, let's say the reverse happens where I uh, only focus on my needs and I prioritize my needs, but I don't support Amanda and take care of hers. In fact, I expect her to sacrifice her needs for me. Then she is now the person that I just described earlier. And I'm perpetuating a toxic relationship Mm -hmm. also doesn't work. Right. Right. The, 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 empowered relationship triad looks like this, where I prioritize my needs first because I can't show up from a full cup. I can't show up at 100% for Amanda, for our relationship, for our family if I'm not taking care of myself. So I took care of my needs first. And then my second priority in my relationship with Amanda is to support her as she prioritizes her needs first Mm -hmm. right because i know that if she doesn't she's not going to be able to show up at 100 percent. and if i'm if i'm devoted to her to her being the best version of herself for the rest of my life because this is my life partner then fuck yeah of course i'm gonna do everything i can to support her to take care of herself while she does the same thing for me but supporting my needs is her second priority right because she prioritizing her own needs is her first priority And then together from that place, we prioritize the needs of the relationship because the needs of the relationship have their own distinct needs that's different from our own personal needs. But we cannot, it's impossible to fully show up for the relationship, for the relationship to thrive if we ourselves aren't solid, if we're not taking care of ourselves. And so to anyone who has been stuck in this like codependent cycle, like recognize that the people pleasing tendency that we adopt, it's actually not fucking helping anybody. It's actually hurting our chances of creating real intimacy and real connection for the illusion that your partner is happy, right? Mm -hmm. It's actually hurting you. And in some ways, it's even holding back your partner because maybe what your partner needs is someone to tell them no. (laughs) And that might be the greatest gift.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like the inner child wants boundaries, and the inner child, when emotional, like when you become emotional, most of the time your inner child is running the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that's right. So you talk about when you just earlier you you mentioned the reverse. So the toxic relationship. Yeah. So coming from a toxic relationship myself, I would categorize my marriage as abusive. Mm. Uh, the, the tendency was to, like, when I was stuck in it, like, the tendency was to say, this is what I deserve. This is, this is because my idea of love was to please. My ideal of of love was to self-sacrifice. So I didn't know where to even start. Do Do you have any tips for people that are, like, seeing themselves looping in a toxic relationship, and they're just Because they, they aren't connected to, they've never felt what self-love really is. Like, how do you start filling your cup when you think filling your cup is to be the martyr?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, When, uh, when I first got separated from my ex, my ex-wife is the mother of my first son. Mm -hmm. um, I was in this like just deep depression because like my family just got torn apart. You know the vision for my life just crumbled before my eyes Mm -hmm. and you know i went on this like dating spree because i just was looking for someone to help like fill the void of my heart Mm -hmm. and uh i remember i dated this this one uh, woman for two months and then she broke up with me and i was like devastated and then i had this sobering moment where i'm like dude why are you losing your fucking mind for a two month relationship? Like you got some healing to do. And this is before I got introduced to any of this work. Like I didn't know what doing the inner work was. I didn't know. Like I was yeah. not having these kind of conversations. Yeah. And so, um uh, I did something that at the time I didn't realize how profound it was. Um but it was the beginning of my transformation and what I did is uh, I committed every day when I first woke up in the morning to put on a timer for 5 minutes. And I looked at myself in the mirror and I started telling myself all the things I loved about myself. Love it. It was so uncomfortable. I hated it. It did not. It was not fun. It was awkward. It was uh-huh. weird. Right. Love and then that. and it shifted when I started to imagine speaking to my best friend. I was like, if my best friend said to himself, the things that I was saying to myself, how would I respond? And immediately it was easy to talk to myself in this way. I was like, dude, like, come on, you're incredible. Like, how could you ever say those things? And that was my first clue into understanding the, the self-destructive relationship I had. Right. Mm. And so to, to, to bring it back to your question, you know, how does one begin to you know, I'm not sure exactly the wording of the question,
0: whatever. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Fill your cup. Like how does one really begin to honestly like fall in love with who they are as a person? So they stop being the martyr. So they stop sacrificing or abandoning themselves. It starts with you learning how to prioritize yourself and honestly taking time to actually show yourself that you love yourself Mm -hmm. consistently, especially, especially when it's hardest, because when it's hardest, that's actually when it matters most. It's so easy to tell yourself you love yourself when you're in a good mood, right? It's so easy to be kind to yourself when you feel good. But the moment that you're able to practice being loving to yourself through your actions, when you don't want to, when you feel the worst. That to me is like, when you do that consistently, that's like the secret sauce to transformation is doing it when it's inconvenient, when you don't want to.
0: And, and consistently, I hear I that resonates so deeply. Like when I, the idea, I understand the cycle of abuse for women and how women get stuck in these toxic relationships, abusive relationships as smart successful women get looped in and they continue the cycle because that moment of breaking out is so profound. It feels so dense. Mm -hmm, That emotion mm -hmm. and feeling feels so dense. So it's like, it's almost, it almost feels impossible until you like, just take one step. It's not a leap. It's like one step. One step. It doesn't have to be this big explosion, blow up your whole life situation, but that's where the mind goes. So, like, it's really interesting when you say that. I, after I left my ex, I kind of did something not similar to you, but like got really upset with other relationships. And I found myself attracting men who I would self abandon with. So, I would attract Mm. men who were like great, like good looking, but behind closed doors treated me like shit wow. and it's really interesting the the when I when I actually saw that was like so eye-opening I was like wow. oh shit that's me I saw that you know what I did what I I did something like crazy extreme like I decided to go on like a man talks I detoxed from like I de- talks. I, <laughs> okay, got it. <laughs> I like. <laughs> I like man talks. I didn't date for three years. Wow. I took a three-year sabbatical to figure out who the fuck I am. Wow. Because I was like in the same pattern over and over. I mean, the guy, the 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 figure in front of me looked different, but it was the same story. I was just a, yes. a manifesting this this found this. Crap. Anyways. So after three years of dating myself, I went on trips by myself. I like went to the movies. I like swooned myself. I learned how to fall asleep alone. Like all the little things I learned how to cook. I learned how to like take care of myself. It was awesome. I mean, it sucked. It was so shitty and so awesome at the same time. Like, and sometimes people say you know, like maybe I need to do that. And so they do it for a month or two and then they find someone and then they jump into that relationship or they get lonely and they go back to the old garbage dumpster because it's familiar. Like why do we, when we're like, okay, I'm going to change my life. Hmm. We work at it. We work through some discomfort, but why do women go back
1: yeah, and it's not just women; it's everybody.
0: Sure. You know? Yeah. Okay. It's everybody. It's
1: everybody. Um, because you know, right now I'm in the process of of creating what I'm calling this "Rethink Yourself" process, this okay. "Rethink Yourself" challenge, and and it's really designed to teach people how to essentially fundamentally shift your identity with yourself, right? And starting with your thoughts. And here's what happens when you start to change your thoughts, um your body your this is what i'm learning your physical body is so used to feeling certain emotions that when you start to think thoughts that are in opposition of the emotions that you've been feeling so let's let's make it simple let's say let's yeah. say you've been feeling unlovable Right, okay. and so you're thinking unlovable thoughts. I'm unworthy of love. I'm unlovable. No one's gonna no love one ever me. All loves those things.
0: Me. Yeah. Right. Whatever yeah. the
1: story is, but then you start to tell yourself consistently and deliberately, "I deserve love. I am worthy of love. I am so lovable." At first, it actually might feel really good to start thinking these thoughts, but then what happens is, is although you're starting to shift the focus of the mental chatter, your body goes, "Uh, no, you don't." you don't love yourself in fact like i want to feel feelings of feeling unlovable because that's what's most familiar Mm
0: -hmm. and so the
1: idea of doing anything that's different is uncomfortable because it's not normal and that's that's like the again it brings it back to what i was saying earlier when it's hardest that's when it matters most Because when we start to feel the discomfort of beginning to change, that's when we really need to decide how badly do we want to change? How committed are we to change? Are we committed to move through that discomfort in order to get on the other side? And here's the fucking irony. You're already uncomfortable in your problem. It's already uncomfortable. And are you willing to be uncomfortable just a little while longer with a little bit more intention to create change? But the reality is, is that because the change that most people are trying to make is so unknown, it's often something that they've never experienced. It seems so impossible. So when they come, when they hit that wall of their own emotions getting uncomfortable, their own body, it's a lot easier to go back to what's familiar because we've survived it up until this point. So the natural logical idea is, well, if I've already survived it, it's not what I want. I'll continue to survive it. Um,
0: Do you think, uh, do you think Disney has, has played a role in this like, I don't know, Prince in shining armor sort of thought like, like he'll be different or he's changed mm. <laughs> I mean or go he's back, perfect or he's going to be perfect or he's going to be perfect ooh that's mm-hmm. a good one yeah
1: right uh probably i mean i don't know i haven't really done enough like put enough thought into that was such a like hilarious question no one's ever asked me that before um uh but <laughs> well, i definitely think kids, like-
0: women are really like shown what relationships are through this person that saves them all the disney movies the the main character is a woman, and she's saved by a man. Yeah, and so we see this when we're kids, and we love it, like the Little Mermaid. Oh my God, it's like the best movie ever. Like, and we we have this idea that the man is there to save us. Mm. We are not responsible for our feelings. It's them. Mm. They need to fix us. Yeah, and yeah, or something which, is like that, which, which is bullshit. Which is bullshit.
1: Right. It's not, it's not, you know, one thing I always say is I I would say, I'm one whole half of the conscious couple.
0: Right.
1: Right? And so is Amanda. She's whole. Right. And it's, and it's just, it's so, but here's the thing it's so ironic. There's so much paradox I find in this world. Yeah. Tell me
0: about that. Like,
1: like I'm, yeah, I'm whole. I'm complete. And there's like a level of depth in this life that is impossible for me to experience by myself. And I'm also completely whole without Amanda in my life. I don't need her in my life. And at the same time to experience aspects of this life, I literally cannot do it without her. Right. And that's like the fascinating paradox. But I think one of the biggest differences though, in in, in one of the really important factors is I don't need her to determine my self-worth. Yeah. And vice versa. Right. Right. There's like a, it's like, it's like, it's like a perfect example of interdependence, right? It's like, there's the choice. That's the difference is it's a choice. I'm choosing to depend on you. You are choosing to depend on me as we co-create this incredible life together, knowing Mm. that we don't need each other. And at the same time, we do need each other and we need to count on each other because we're choosing to count on each other as we grow together and expand together.
0: Ooh, yeah. I like that. It's like, it's like, I kind of like to think of I'm, I'm a hundred when I was born, I was a hundred. When you look at your perfect baby, they're a hundred. And as they grow up, they get these ideas that they're not a hundred, but they're, they're always a hundred. So if you start with your self-worth, you are a hundred, no matter Mm. what happens, no matter what has happened in your life, no matter what you think of yourself or other people think, if you know, you are a hundred, Always showing up, you are a hundred. That's your worth. I think what you're trying to say is worth, yes, you are whole. You are a hundred. And in the experience, in the human experience, in the growth, in the co-creation, like that's where community and intimacy and and relationships will expand you at a hundred, yes. yes, like it's exactly. not even the worth. It's like more like are you saying it's more like, um, I don't even know what the word is. It's not even like personal growth. It's not expansion. Like we're here to have right. a human experience.
1: Yes, yes. And I think we're also here. To, we're here to like experience everything we're here to experience, to experience what it's like to be the real best version of ourselves. And again, the paradox with that is that we'll never reach that. Right. Cause even I'm certain that when the time comes where I do die, that like I'm probably gonna look back at my life and think, oh my god, I'm so proud of these things that I did, and here are some areas that I fucked up, and there was so much more that I wanted to do, right? There's so yeah. much more that I see myself becoming, and it it never really ends, and I think that that's also okay, you know, that's part of being human.
0: Okay, so you and Amanda were Sam, who's actually been on the show before. We had a great conversation. Um, love her. Uh, you guys are the conscious couple. That's right. And I just want you before we like wrap it up just to like what does being conscious a conscious couple mean what does that love mean love
1: that love that intentional intentional we're and we're very we're not perfect by any means um but to me but per- to be
0: but to, okay let me cut you off because we've been using the word perfect a lot and i like maybe i'm getting triggered as i'm figuring out what that word even is because it's so subjective and totally. like people always say, oh, you have a perfect relationship. Oh, yeah, because it's just the idea. Like perfect, like I would argue that you guys are perfect. I Thank because you. you are you. You're perfect totally. in you. It's not
1: totally
0: like, do you know what I mean by that?
1: Yeah, I, I agree one thousand percent. And I like to still tell people that we're not perfect because there's this perception that we don't have yeah. our shit you know, there's this like, perception. How do we change
0: the language around that though? Cause it's so stupid.
1: Yeah. To, um, <laughs> I you know? yeah. I don't know. And maybe that won't happen in our lifetime. You know, I think yeah. if anything, we can pave the way so that, you know, the next generation and the generation after that are yeah. equipped to be able yeah. to, um, you know, experience more safety in the word perfection. um but uh, to me it's like yeah like what is a conscious relationship it's one where you live intentionally where you lean into intimacy when it's hard where you consciously choose to bring love and forgiveness and intimacy into all areas of yourself of your partner and the relationship even when it's uncomfortable even when it's scary even when you want to avoid um, the parts that you have the most shame It's like, can you bring love into all of those intentionally? And to me, that's where freedom is born, Mm. right? Like the reason why, you know, Amanda and I feel so close is because we've shared all of ourselves with one another Mm -hmm. there's like so much of my pain that i've shared with her not projecting on her not putting on her but sharing with her and she's held it with such reverence Mm. she's actually and like i've done the same for her where we see each other's expression like we're honored that we trust one another with it
0: because it is a
1: fucking honor i don't trust many people anyone with my expression the way that I trust her and Mm -hmm. because I know my worth I expect her to treat that sacredly because it is sacred and it's the same vice versa and it's about bringing intentionality in the way we show up for ourselves the other person and the relationship that to me is what being a conscious couple is all about
0: Do you guys have deep conversations then? Or is it sometimes light and easy? Is it like a head nod? Like how deep are we going every day? Like, yeah, well, I mean,
1: it's again, it's context dependent. Sometimes there's we don't have the capacity to, you know, go like, you know, oceans deep. And uh, but to be honest, like our our intention is always depth. Always. We want to we don't really want to live in the surface. So,
0: yes, sir.
1: So, yeah, yeah, that's that's that
0: diving in below the surface that surface level is so interesting it's yeah. like and yet once you dive in and you realize it's kind of nice under there it's kind of not what you think it's like where the life is where all the rot and the roots and the dirt and the bugs and the gross shit is like that is essentially what brings life to the surface is like what's below totally so and it's it, and it's
1: what's real so
0: it's what's real it's what's real i do like the idea of like holding space uh from one thing i noticed before and after my sabbatical was i i would take everything personally so if if mm. my partner was to express his needs or his whatever uh, something he was having trouble with, like tried to communicate. I would take it personally. I was yeah. always under attack, so I had to defend your yes. posture. And then once I filled my cup, if you will, for lack of a better term, I was able to see, oh, that's not about me. That's, that's your. Right. That's you. So then you can that's hold right. space for them, and then it creates this interesting dialogue where, when they say step to you, and when you have these hard conversations, you know it's. It's, it's about their struggle. It's not, it's not mine. And I, can, I'm here, baby.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when you take it personally, it's because it's like triggering. Uh, it's reflecting to you your own pain that is unresolved, which is why bringing it back to what we talked about at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's so mm-hmm. important to confront your perception of your past pain because if not, it will dictate your thinking. It'll dictate your focus, and it'll dictate your behavior. And that's when we say and do things stupid shit that we later regret. <laughs>
0: Oh, I love that for full circle. We just came for full circle. Okay. So, how can people find you, work with you?
1: Yeah. Good, 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 great question. Uh, they can check out our website. We have a bunch of like free resources. It's www.theconsciouscouple.ca uh, and check us out on Instagram, TikTok, Instagram. It's at real Roberto Paez and TikTok. We're at the conscious couple.
0: Fantastic. I'll link all that stuff too. Thank you so much for this conversation. We'll have to do a round two. We should get Amanda. That. We should do like a three way.
1: Yeah, that sounds. <laughs> <Three-way>, <laughs> you know what I
0: mean? A, th- a convo. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Love, love that.
1: Let- let's do that, Elisa.
0: Okay. Have a good one. Thank you. Ciao for now okay i'm over here giving you a big virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the elisa unfiltered podcast if you haven't done so yet i'd love for you to share the love and head over to apple podcast google play or spotify and give this show a five star rating i'll leave you bonus points for leaving a written review and if you're looking for more head over to elisaunfilteredcoaching.com for show notes and all the links to all things elisa unfiltered have the best day everyone until next time